Come on, StreamYard. Hello, everybody. Hello, Twitch. Hello, world. Uh, it is time for the second installment of the Slammer Bros. This time, I affected the microphone settings as well as I could. Steve wore a microphone today, so we are getting a little bit better at this as we go along. Steve, how was your day? Tuesday after Monday Night Raw, after you watched all three hours of that show, how are you feeling, champ? Well, you know, I gotta tell you, brother, I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little let down. I'm, Why are you I'm let, a down? let down? You know, we we agreed to do this podcast. You know, you, you tell me, hey, we're gonna watch all three hours of Raw together, and then I get the, hey, so you know, you watched all three hours, but uh, you know, I didn't catch quite all of it. What's up with that, brother? <laughs> So here's the thing. There's this there's this monumental event that's happened for a for a very long time called the Olympics. Have you heard of it? <coughs> oh, the Olympics. Um, no, I have not. Can you please explain what the Olympics are? Okay, so basically the Olympics are this thing where like people do these sports that you can probably play in your backyard, but they get a lot of publicity towards them for a brief window of time every four years. So essentially what had happened was every week I watch Raw at 8 o'clock. It's on at 8, goes through 11. I'm, an East, I'm a West Coast guy, you're an East Coast guy. Mm. I had no idea it was going to be playing at 5 p.m. Until I look at it, I was like, oh, I could watch it with Steve. I could actually, like, me and him could go over notes right now. This is so cool. Then I realized, I was like, okay, but when can I catch the replay? I realized... No replay is coming because all that airtime has been given to um, given for the Olympics. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let me try to find it online. Oh, wait, no, they don't want you to be able to order it online. Then I'm like, okay, well, I pay for Peacock. Maybe I can get it on Peacock. No, Peacock doesn't air Raws that are like, a, it's like a month behind there, right? So then I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay, well, I guess I can just watch uh, the highlights, I guess. Not one decent highlight video. It's all choppy as hell. So today's format and today's format alone, I am going to just be living raw through you. And there's a reason right now why I am drinking this glass that says half full and he is drinking a nice big glass of wine. So... It's to it's to take the edge off of the whiskey I had to drink to make it through three hours yesterday. Okay, so you and I have discussed this at all time, a lot, at nauseum. What is the point? Like, for me, three hours of Raw is like, uh, not to steal from Roman Reigns, but it's like three hours of missionary position. It's just too damn much, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it, it, you know it's funny, because as I'm sitting through and I'm watching this episode of Raw, and, and, you know, we're chatting back and forth, you know, towards the end, you know, when you were talking about the last two matches, and we've been talking a lot about, you know, what's the appropriate length for a weekly wrestling show, right? And I think we've come to an agreement that two hours is kind of the sweet spot, right? Mm-hmm. The one thing that stood out to me watching this episode and, and actually sitting through all three hours, and, you know, I'm a big I'm a big fan, you're a big fan, but yep. sitting through three hours, especially during the Thunderdome era, was very... It, it, I, I would be an alcoholic by now. So... Um, so I had the opportunity finally to sit down, and the one thing that really stood out to me is just how overexposed every, everyone on the roster is, you know? And that's insane considering the size of the roster that they have. Um, if you think back to when you and I were, you know, getting into this, you know, in the early to mid-1990s, Raw was one hour. Yep. 
and you'd get, you know, one named guy versus a local job guy, an interview segment, another named guy versus a local job guy, another interview segment, and then you'd get a main event, which would be like Coco Beware versus Jeff Jarrett, and it was like, holy crap, two guys that I know that are actually wrestling each other. <laughs> Absolutely. And then and then you would get to your pay-per-views, and there was only like four, you know, eventually five when they, when they incorporated King of the Ring, but it, the pay-per-views are that much more special because they were filled with guys facing other guys that you knew exactly so so the talents were were not as exposed everything felt more special and and you know like i said sitting through the three hours that's the one thing that really stood out to me and and in no way am i advocating do we go back to you know one hour shows with you know drew mcintyre taking on you know joe smidely from the from the local you know mud show but two hours is the sweet spot I I think we both agree with that yeah two hours is a sweet spot and and to go back into a point that you touched on there um, you know I started watching uh, pro wrestling with the wife again so I've been dragging her along with me and the first week she watched it she was actually pretty entertained by it the second week goes by and she's like oh they're just gonna have the same people wrestle the same people again Mm -hmm. because it's the same match right because like, if you look at it, it's like, okay, you got Rhea Ripley fought last week. Uh, uh, Nikki, almost a superhero, comes in, uh, cashes. started on that. Well, I'm just saying, to, to your point, <laughs> cashes in money in the bank, and now they have and have an impromptu match, and then this week in the main event that we're going to discuss, they have an actual match. And for me, I'm to touch on another point, what is the problem with just having a development guy come in and get his ass beat? Like what uh, if you're trying to establish your stars and show like, hey, even like, let's say you have like a guy like Ricochet or a few other guys who've taken a few losses, but you want to keep them prominent in your fans eyes. Job guys used to be a great way to, to showcase to your audience and tell the story. Hey, this guy may have lost to the best wrestler in the world. But against, like, uh, your average slub, he's, like, a freaking monster, and that's why he wrestles guys like X. Uh, well, am I making sense there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, to me, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that when you do that and you spread out your talent a little bit, then you can main event shows with, you know, some of the matches that we were talking about. I mean, in, in theory, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to main event a Raw with, with a, you know, a United States title match. But, you know, the, the champion shows up every week. I mean, you remember when, when we started getting into it. I mean, to see, you know, Yokozuna or, or Bret Hart or somebody mm-hmm. like that on the show, especially in a title match, that was a rarity. Oh, yeah. Like uh, Bret Hart versus one two three kid Like, yep. to your point, it was like, hey, Bret, that, that only happened because Bret, when Bret really liked a guy, wanted to put him mm-hmm. over and then also wanted to do something special for the audience, you know, that night to keep you know to add to the ratings of raw but yeah it just seems like we're we're seeing title match after title match and if they're really trying to treat the women's championship as you know prestigiously as the men's championship they shouldn't be having these like throwaway matches every single week with it well i i agree with you and when we get into the a little deeper into this into this discussion in my opinion they spent this entire show shitting on the raw women's championship um, I am, I, it took me every bit of my spirit to not, uh, cause we have some followers on our TikTok channel. It took me every single 
morsel of my energy to not just rage bomb that match <laughs> before we did the podcast. I always do my rage bombs after the podcast. Um, but let's let's get to it. So we in, we get to introductions. What's great about Raw again? We're not in Thunderdome, so can we, we at least agree that we're seeing a live crowd with live reactions and. First thing I have to ask you is this. Do you think that a lot of the pops that we're seeing are just based on the fact that these live fans have not gotten to see wrestling in person for so long? Oh, yeah. Or is this shit legitimately over with people? Well, I think some of the people involved are are over to some degree, but I think what you're seeing here is you know, thirsty guy roaming through the desert just got a bottle of piss to drink, so, you know, it tastes really good. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so the very first uh, sequence, the very first, um, the opening promo of the match, Nikki Ash comes out, you know, and I know you are very critical of this character because they're not trying to play something that should be a jobber or a joke. They're trying to make her inspirational. And to Nikki Ash's credit, it is somewhat over. I hate the gimmick, but some people, probably under the age of 14, probably like the gimmick. Uh, then Charlotte Flair comes in, does a run-in, gets first, a non-title match. First time in my life I've ever been happy to see Charlotte Flair interrupt something. Continue. Okay. Well, what I want to <laughs> say is, how did how did you feel about this segment in general? Um, you know, is there, is there some, like, what's your main criticisms of the Nikki Ash character and what, how'd you feel about this promo in general? And do you think it was better than the match that was delivered to us? Well, I think that, um, I, I like a degree of realism and it's not to say that I don't like outrageous characters, but I mean, you know, the, the superhero thing, you know, if you think back to to like Shane Hurricane Helms. Yeah. That character was funny and it was intentionally funny. Yeah. This is like there it's like I'm going to dress like a superhero but I'm not quite a superhero but I'm trying to be inspirational. It seems like they're trying to be semi-serious with it and that's what really just just bugs me because it, when, it, just think of the visual the visual at the beginning. So you've got, you know, Charlotte Flair, big star You've mm -hmm. got Rhea Ripley, this up-and-coming star, and then you've got Nikki Cross. I'm not going to call her Nikki Ash. It's Nikki Cross, who I, I'm a big fan of Nikki Cross, by the way. Yeah. But in that gimmick, in that outfit, she looks low-rent. She's your new champion. She looks like third fiddle. She looks like fourth fiddle when once Sonya Deville came out as one of the authority figures. I mean, she looks like she doesn't belong there. Yeah. So instead of taking the time to build up your new champion, you, you just make her look like a chump. Yeah. No, I agree, because if you look at it, like, you look at Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, like, if you look at Charlotte, just, she's a big girl. Like, she's oh, a yeah. big woman. And if you look at the women in the locker room, who I feel like could actually, who are at that status, it's a very small list. You got Rhea Ripley, you've got uh, Oxa, or... Oscar. Uh, yeah. Oscar. my bad. Os you got Asuka... Nia Jax could give her trouble. Shayna Baszler. Those four, and that's it. But then they, you know. If Shayna, if Shayna Baszler could stop getting hypnotized by Alexa Bliss, but I digress. 
No, well, that goes into another thing. I feel like, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like if there is footage of you online beating the shit out of people in a in a non-scripted contest like mixed martial arts, you're kind of above stupid gimmicks because we already know, like, you've established that rapport with the audience that you're a badass. That's my Apparently. opinion. Apparently not. Well, in my opinion, if I booked it, if I if we booked it, it would be much different. But we don't book these things, so. Well, but but that's the frustrating part. I mean, they booked her correctly in NXT. Uh, yeah, well, it's that's be a the... criticism of another piece of booking that we're going to talk about later. But they they, in my opinion, they did it right in NXT. I mean, even Asuka. Asuka was undefeated in NXT. I mean, she was you know a dominant champion, and then now she's you know it's sad to say, but there, there's parts of her that are a joke now. Yeah. Well, they well they take it's it's this strange phenomenon, right? They do this really good job of building people up at NXT. They come to the WWE and it's almost like they purposely kill their value just as soon as they get through the door or they or they utilize it a little bit, and then they have no idea what to do with them because NXT is run by wrestlers trying to develop wrestlers and WWE is ran by comedic writers who I mean, it's been proven that some of them don't even freaking watch wrestling and they get hired there. Uh, you know, you just need a couple of credits at the Tonight Show and they give you a job. Well, look no further than what they did to Karrion Cross last week. They have yeah. him, you know, he's, they have him come in, they have him wearing the title, the NXT Championship, and then he gets beat by Jeff Hardy in like 15 seconds. Yeah. Jeff Hardy, who, by the way, has COVID-19, so, you know, well wishes to Jeff Hardy. I hope he gets well soon. Another uh, reason Jeff, why it was shocking to see Karrion Cross on this episode, but that's a whole other issue. We don't uh, we don't discuss certain things. I'm sure there was testing protocols and certain things for safety measures and whatnot. Of course, but, all right, WWE is is very very safe with their testing. Very safe with their testing, and when <laughs> we think of the health and well being of their uh, talent, we think WWE long-standing history of taking care of their talent but that's another issue also so we're gonna (laughs) but 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 hey you know if we if we get back to the opening segment you know the one thing it did do well was it set up a SummerSlam match right so it looked so we're getting the triple threat we're getting Rhea versus Charlotte versus Nikki for the Raw women's title I'm okay with that you know so so them setting that up out the gate um you know that having you know being the bookend segment for the show in concept I was okay with it, but the execution, especially once we get to the main event, the execution was just the absolute, in my opinion, the absolute, they had 500 different ways they could have gone, and they chose 501. It was awful. (laughs) Yes, no, I I agree with you here, and then I also think with what they've done with Nikki Cross, or I'll just call her Nikki, you know, you can call her Nikki Ash, that's fine. Yeah, well, you know, all right, fine. Nikki Ash, because that's what, hey, that's what she wants to be called right now. I don't know if that's what she wants to be called, but, hey, that's what she's called right now. Um, I feel like with how they did her this week in that SummerSlam match, she's going to be nothing more than a mosquito. She's going to be the mosquito that causes minor annoyances throughout the match to both women, But I, I and they're going to – I digress here, but, I mean, you know, I might be skipping ahead, but – they're gonna well, they're gonna give her a couple of stupid little high spots. They're gonna, uh, you know, but she's not gonna be anything more than the pest to based, like interrupt spots. Based on the way that they booked her in the main event, I don't know if I agree with that, but we'll get there. Okay, <laughs> we'll get there. 
Okay, we will get there. All right. First, so how would you grade the opening promo? So in your opinion, so, it's set. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so so grading on the A, B, C, D, F scale, I, in my opinion, it was a C plus. I mean, the, I thought the promos were pretty much trash. Um, but the but you know the new the new women's champion was made to look like a goof, and not on the same level as the two challengers. But they did set up the SummerSlam match, so you know C plus. C plus. Okay. Uh, next on the list, we have the number one contenders match for the oh. WWE United States. Oh, go ahead. No, no. It's a championship contenders match. WWE has new lingo for these things now. Oh. It's, been a num it's been a number one contenders match or a non-title match for 100 years. But now, as of last week, apparently they're championship contenders matches. Oh, well, excuse me. In the championship contenders match that I did not get a chance to see, so I'm going to relive the pain through no. you, Steve. So so before we get to that real quick, that U.S. title belt is gaudy as hell. Like, you do not like the design of it? I don't – if you take a look at all their belts – we could do a whole show on, on just that, but if you take a look at all the belts, I, I don't know what happened to just old-fashioned, good-looking – you know, classy championship belts. That thing looks like it was rejected from the John Cena spinner belt production. So, <laughs> but anyway. Like, well, no, what I will say is this, and then sticking on the belt subject for a while because I feel like mm. this, is a, this is a great topic. For me, we both, you and I, when we watch wrestling, we both like a hint of realism when we watch it, right? So for me, I'm viewing, I always view the championship belt as if I am going to get into a ring with a guy who is a certified killer, put myself through 15, 20 minutes of wrestling, put my life, blood, sweat, and tears on the line, that belt better look like the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah. And I will say this, in comparison to when you and I first got into wrestling, these belts look like looks like they bought them at Walmart for 20 yeah, bucks. Like I'm toys. sorry. They look like toys. You're right. They, they look like toys, not dignified. Like, and I know the UFC even did that with their belt. Like, the UFC belts yeah, no one, used to be. No one really liked the new UFC belt design, but I, mean, I did. I did not like it at all. I, so my, my point is I feel like your titles should be dignified. Whether your product at the time is cartoony or not, like, the biggest part of maintaining kayfabe, in my opinion – is if this is a sporting event of sorts or this title means something, that title needs to look like it means something. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. So, so, you know, with that said, you know, the, the belt design notwithstanding, I actually like this segment. Um, I thought the action was crisp. Uh, there was nothing that looked overly, you know, like they were working with each other. I so, the, bef oh, before oh, I interrupt you, I need to set this up. This is the WWE oh. United States Championship uh, Contenders match or Contending Championship match, whatever bullcrap that they have. <laughs> Sheamus versus Damian Priest. Let's get your overall opinion of this match. Yeah, so so like I said, good action. I thought the you know I thought the camera work was good too. I mean, there was one spot where where Damian Priest breaks a, a Texas cloverleaf by you know going at Sheamus's hand, and the camera zoomed right in on on the hand motion that was going on. So I like that. I thought that was a good piece of producing there. Um, surprise, surprise! A champion lost a non-title match on Raw. Like that never happens. It's it's frustrating, but it looks like it's 
it looks like it's setting up a U.S. title match at SummerSlam between these two. And I thought that they did just enough here to kind of whet the appetite for what they could do uh, on the bigger stage. I'm actually excited to see this match at SummerSlam. It's not one that I was expecting. So, you know, I thought those were the positives. The only negative I had here was... You know, Seamus's SNM mask is awful, and it's got to go. I mean, that that thing looks like it's that, seriously. That thing looks like it's only missing a ball gag to be complete right now. Um, and and I'm a and I'm a Seamus fan, so you know, like I said, where where are we heading from here? It looks like we're heading to a U.S. title match at SummerSlam. It, it, as for a grade, I gave it an A minus. Uh, not necessarily for the action itself, but for the entirety of the segment, the kind of the glimpses that they gave us. They gave us a little taste. It's set up for SummerSlam. Overall, I like this segment. I thought it was pretty good. Awesome. Yeah, because I do feel like uh, with Sheamus is really good with all of his action. He's very good at telling stories. Um, his promos are actually, I don't know if it's because of his voice, but his promos always sound somewhat natural just based on, like, I, I feel like the sound and tone at least feel more natural than some of the other people who cut promos in that company. And on top of that, he's so pasty white that, like, every mark shows up on his body. I mean, he always looks – I mean, he could have a, a minor match like this, and it looks like he was through a war. Like, I just I, I just dig that. Yeah. No, it definitely definitely does. And, okay, so you give that an A-. minus. I give I'm it an I'm going to take your word for it. I love Sheamus. I think he's great. So – Moving on now, because apparently there's no other tag teams for AJ Styles and uh, Amos to work with, or Omos to work with, Omos to work with. Uh, the Viking Raiders and AJ Styles fight or, or compete for the Raw Tag Team titles for the 19th time this month. Mm. How was this match? Was it any different than any of the other matches? I mean, I'm always entertained by these guys when they compete. It's just like... I could eat pizza every day and get tired of it, and that's kind of how I feel about this right now. It's just overly booked. Like, there's other tag teams they could work right now. But I'm going to set the stage for you. How'd you feel about this match? Well, I think it goes back to what I said at the beginning. I think I think this is overexposed right now. But, but overall, I thought the action was pretty decent. You know, uh, Omos comes in, and he does his hybrid Great Kali, Giant Gonzalez impression. And then tags in Styles, he hits the 450 springboard splash for the win. So, you know, like I said, the action was good. I think that this closes out the program that they're having with each other mercifully so that, uh, you know, Styles and Omos can go on to their next opponents, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, you know, I thought I thought it went well. I think Omos has something, you know. He like, does. When he first came in, he looked really stiff. He's still really green, but there's something... Every time I see him, there's like there's like improvements with the way he moves, the facials that he does. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe he can be more of a Big Show 2.0 than a Great Kali 2.0, which is what I thought he was going to be the first time I saw him. So, you know, overall, pretty good. As, as for what they do with the Viking Raiders from here, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I enjoyed the match that they had at Money in the Bank because Omos he actually had like a couple of really good spots, and there is there is things that he can do with his size, and if they utilize him properly, I do agree he could be Big Show 2.0. Um, what I do like about the Viking Raiders, so people don't think that we're just crapping all over the no, product, no. I do too. They they move like lightweights. Um, they're very explosive. They're very athletic. And what I do like is 
it doesn't look gymnastics-y the way that the Raiders move, but you're like, okay, these big guys can move, but at least it's not like it's not like the reincarnation of Shawn Michaels, but it's like, okay, damn, these guys are athletic. They can move. Yeah, they may not be. Uh, <laughs> we have a chat saying, please crap on the product. That's not what we're going to do, Mr. Oh, Justin, FYI. Oh, that's coming next. <laughs> that that's is coming. That is coming next. That is certainly coming next. Okay. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, AJ Styles, I've liked him since TNA. I do think the Viking Raiders have something. I just think it's time for them to work with other people. Yeah. And, like, and, I, that, and that's going to, and that's happening heading into SummerSlam. The, the program was set up later, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Nice. Absolutely. All right. So now I have to say this guy, this next guy, he's got your favorite gimmick. Oh, he's God. got. You know, he he tells the stories that you absolutely love. I mean, when he when he just like takes an honest question and then just tells some kind of bullshit Scottish story that probably pulled out of his ass. Oh uh, no, it's written it's written for him. Oh, excuse me. That the writer Wikipedia'd and then tried to make him it like a warrior spin, Mr. Drew McIntyre. Who, gosh, what what how how many days ago was he champion in that company? I, I oh, want to say it was fairly recent. Yeah, so, I mean, The Miz beat him for the title shortly before WrestleMania, so you're talking probably February, March time frame. Yeah, okay, so that guy, that guy, okay, so February, March time frame. He just fought for a title not so long ago. Uh, just fought in the main event at one of their biggest pay-per-views not too long ago. Uh, not Money in the Bank, but the one previous to that. We're talking about Drew McIntyre. Facing Veer, how how did this match go? What did you think of it? And how much more did this make you just absolutely love the Drew McIntyre gimmick? This caused me to have a shot. <laughs> um, so we come to Drew McIntyre versus Veer, right? So because God because God knows. You know, Drew McIntyre, former two-time WWE world champion, the guy who beat Brock Lesnar in less than five minutes in the main event of WrestleMania, for some ungodly reason, has to earn a match against Jinder Mahal. So that that's dumb in and of itself. But then we get the we get the, the playback clips to McIntyre just obliterating Mahal's other goon, who I, I don't remember his name. He hits him 34 times with a chair. And, and those are some, luff, some, some tough looking shots. And I'm sitting there and I'm asking myself, isn't Drew supposed to be the good guy? Well, typically hitting somebody 34 times with a chair is a definitely a heel move. I mean, last time I remember a chair beating that bad was when Stone Cold did that to The Rock and that was his heel turn. So I would assume that if McIntyre did it this time around that he would be doing a heel turn. Is he, is he a heel now? Oh, no. No, no, no. Because then he comes out with that fucking sword, which I can't stand. Although now they've, because before he was shoving it into the stage, now they've given him a stone to shove it into. Now, I foolishly believe that the, the legend was is that somebody would pull the sword from the stone. Instead, McIntyre shoves the sword into the stone. I don't get it. It's fucking stupid. Fuck them. And 
it, there's only a matter of time before the crowd starts shitting on that. So that so, but anyway, so that's stupid. So then Jinder Mahal comes out with a lawyer, supposedly the best lawyer that money can buy. So if I'm to understand the logic here that they're that they're insulting our intelligence with, Mahal and his goons interfere in McIntyre's match during Money in the Bank. They do the run-in. Mm-hmm. So. In response to that, McIntyre commits felony assault against one of Jinder Mahal's goons with the 34 chair shots. Yeah. So in response to this, Jinder Mahal gets the best lawyer that money can buy to do what? To ask McIntyre to apologize. So that's freaking dumb. But like the ShamWow guy says, but wait, there's more, right? <laughs> so, so in response to Jinder Mahal lawyering up and showing up and just asking drew mcintyre for an apology instead drew intentionally gets the crowd to start chanting drew is going to kill you because the way to respond to a guy who's just lawyered up and only wants an apology is for you to communicate a death threat in front of twenty thousand people live in the in the arena and 1.5 million people watching around the world on television so that's freaking dumb and then from here we get a three-minute match where veer gets disqualified for some reason because jinder mahal hands him a chair that he never uses and in response to this, what does Drew McIntyre do? He commits physical assault on the lawyer in front of 1.5 million people watching on TV and 20,000 people in the arena. This was fucking stupid. It makes no sense. It, I can't even suspend disbelief in, on this nonsense. It somehow makes Jinder Mahal and his goons look reasonable and sympathetic. It accomplishes nothing except getting us closer to a drawn-out match against McIntyre and Mahal that absolutely nobody wants to see. This was an F minus minus, and I, I just I I had to drink another shot just to get the bad taste of this nonsense out of my mouth. What do you think? What do I think? All right, so let's there there's a lot to unpack here. So let's let's start off with number one. Ugh. Number one, if you run out to the ring with a fucking sword, and this was my my criticism during Money <laughs> in the Bank, because technically it's a no-DQ match, right? Bring the sword! Bring the fucking sword and start swinging on people, right? Then to your point, the whole purpose was you pulled the sword out of the stone, so that's fucking dumb. Like, okay, so we're done with the fucking sword. I think the sword is dumb. Anything outside of maybe the intro, that could be cool, Like, but not taking it with you into the ring, into the arena. So, we both agree. The sword, fucking stupid. Makes no sense. Second thing you unpack. Yeah, when you commit a felony assault on somebody, uh, attempted and they lawyer murder. up. It was 34 times. That's attempted murder. 34 chair shot. Yeah, that's attempted manslaughter at the, <laughs> at the very least. Attempted and manslaughter. Wants, and all he wants is an apology. And I've... I've spent all this money on this lawyer to get you to apologize. Okay. Dude, wouldn't it have been, like, I remember the days of old when they would actually have somebody get arrested. And, like, you know, maybe, maybe like, and then they could have did something like, well, you know, he beat the case because of this reason. Or at least, if you're going to play that angle, McIntyre needs to be in handcuffs at some point, right? If you're going to pull the, the thing. And then it's like, hey... We can't get you on criminal charges, but okay, we're going to get you on the civil charges. And then if the civil case, you know, you get told, hey, you don't have a case here or something, right? To at least not treat people like they're stupid if you want to lead to the apology. And then a better 
uh, approach for McIntyre, in my opinion, would have been to do the whole major pain thing. When, you know, you remember that movie where he's like, I'm sorry mm -hmm. that you're just a little turd. <laughs> like, that would have been interesting. But Drew is acting like a heel. Like, I... Uh, are they are they trying to get him to go heel? Because I mean, I guess he I guess when you do something like that to gender a guy that really nobody asked for, nobody really like wants to watch wrestle, <laughs> maybe it's okay. I don't know. Ultimately, I agree with you. They're taking a guy who could very well carry their carry their uh, belt and be a great champion and steward for the company, and they're basically you know giving him the old Braun Strowman treatment. In my yeah, opinion, yeah, everything about this is backwards. I mean, they, they, they I, I think what they're thinking is that they're going to use Drew to elevate gender. I think that they believe that you know because gender cuts some some lighthearted heel promos and because you know he shows he shows up with a lawyer and everyone hates lawyers that you know people are just going to mindlessly cheer McIntyre. The logic of it makes no sense, and everything about it seemed designed to make Drew McIntyre look like a dick and Jinder Mahal and his two his two buddies there Veer and the other one to, to look like the good guys yeah okay so you had mentioned like what was the what was the repercussion of these chair shots I mean like, if, if you take a look at the picture and, and they showed it on on the broadcast but you know whatever his name is Veer and, and Sheik or Sheer whatever his name is I mean his back his he was pretty bruised up yeah, so that is that's a complete heel move. Like that that whole thing's a heel move. Now, typically when the baby face uses a chair, it's because somebody got him a couple of times and then he gets that one that one back, gives him one back and then the crowd loves it, then you go one, for it. And he gets maybe one. Two, not 34. Two, one or two tops. 34, that's, as you said, manslaughter. Like, I would, I'm pretty sure that dude probably had some internal freaking bleeding after that, after that one. Maybe, maybe Vince and his writing team think that we're a bunch of racists who want to see the Indian guy get beat up. I don't know. I, I'm not going to comment there, but, you know, <laughs> considering the writing team that they have, it wouldn't freaking shock me. I, 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 like I said, it just, it made no sense. It was, in, it, it made no sense to a point that it was insulting. Understood. All right, so we got another. We got an F minus there, but so far the no, no, show no. hasn't been too. F, F minus, minus minus. F minus minus. Okay, what's an F minus minus in your opinion? Is that like a negative fifty nine percent? It means it was double fucked up. That's what it means. Double fucked. Okay, perfect. All right, another match where if the champions win, they get to fucking get a title shot. Oh dear freaking lord. <laughs> And I like I like I like the tag team champions uh, Natalia and Tamina Snuka versus Eva Marie and Dewdrop. How'd you feel about this match? All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying that you know a common theme here is that I'm gonna sound like I'm down on the on the women. I think the women are really talented. I think the weight of their booked is awful. So with mm -hmm. that being said, we just went from the F minus minus, you know, insulting my intelligence segment. And I think, okay, it can only go up from here. But boy, was I wrong. Wrong-ho. Because we get quadruple dumb here. So we get another championship contenders match for the women's tag team titles. So we've got Eva Marie. Who cares? 
We've got Dewdrop. Who cares? We've got a recap of Alexa Bliss doing her Lady Fiend thing from the Playhouse. Who cares? We get the women's tag team titles. Who cares? And then on top of that, it's a non-title match. So they somehow found a way to make me care even less about this title. Because it's not even on the line. Okay, so basically, you fight the champion. And normally, if you fight the champion, it's for the champions. But I do remember back in the day, they would have some non-title matches. Just to keep everything clean and safe. But once again, we have a contenders match where... You fight the champion, you beat the champion, but you earn the chance to fight the champion again, but it's for real. So so keep that in mind now, right? Yeah. So so about a minute into the match, Natalia looks like she legit hurt her leg. So, you know, I hope that's not the case. I really like Natty. I hope she I hope she didn't mess herself up too bad. But immediately after this, now all of a sudden, Lady Fiend comes on the video screen because God knows, if I'm in a match with the world tag team champions, a fight I got to beat the world tag team champions, hopefully to get a championship match. And then somebody puts a, a amateur hour video up on the screen. I'm going to take my, my attention completely off of the person that I'm fighting so I can watch this, you know, this video that looks like a five-year-old made it. And then up, guess what happens? Oh, they just got beat. So I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get the logic, you know. God, it's a three-minute match. The whole thing was dog shit. I said F minus minus for the last one, and I thought it couldn't get worse. This was F minus 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 minus. This was a this was a quintuple fuck off. Anyway, your opinion, sir. My opinion on this, well, uh, you know, just sharing what I think before. I think a lot of the <laughs> women in the locker room have a lot of talent. I totally feel agree. like, I feel like if you make it to the WWE, you're either really good in the ring you're really good on the mic or you're a combination of both and i feel like you have the best wrestlers in the world with the world's shittiest booking because you're hiring a bunch of people who don't understand wrestling and the thing is this was like it, i remember how you would have two guys who understood wrestling and then one vince russo now it appears like you got a whole fucking room of Vince Russo's who do the writing and then the match producers are actually guys who understand what they're doing but they're essentially trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit well dare I say that whoever booked the last segment and this one comparing them to Vince Russo is an insult to Vince Russo well here's the thing Vince Russo actually understood character development uh he he actually knew how to like he understood spots very well. He understood like how to how to give characters something to like enhance them or add depth to characters. There's nothing here. And don't get me wrong, I like Natalia. I like Tamina Snuka, but the problem is it's just shitty booking. And you have it's almost like every single time. And I've noticed this in the history of the WWE. If they'll fall in love with one type of finish. If, if you remember correctly, there was a time when it was like, okay, every other match is going to end with a DQ. Yeah, some kind of schmoz, yep. Some kind of schmoz. Now it feels like, hey, we need to continuously cut our roster. So you're going to see the same people. And here's the match that you're probably going to see at SummerSlam sometime down the road. Or you're going to see at SummerSlam. Uh, so... 
let's just make it a number one contenders match. Oh, and let's just add some stupidity. Also, what I will say, I'm sure Miss Bliss can wrestle. I'm sure that she has some talent. I love I, Alexa Bliss. I fucking hate this Harley Quinn shit. It would be one thing if she was just kind of like a creepy goth chick and just kind of like towed the line. This whole hypnosis shit, I swear to God, if they pull it off, I am going to boo in, louder than I have ever fucking booed in my life at SummerSlam. They, they, so let's be clear. If I see Dewdrop at SummerSlam, I'm going to demand my money back. By the way, do you know what a Dewdrop is? Uh, Dewdrop, I believe it has something to do with the uh, lesbian community, correct? Well, so I'm just looking at Urban Dictionary here, and a dewdrop is the excrement that rolls out of your pant leg <clears throat> when you walk and defecate at the same time. And that, basically, in a nutshell, was dewdrop in this entire segment. Dear God. And the thing is, I think if, if they utilized her properly as she got her feet wet, this is another person who could probably do something. But... It's one of those things where Dewdrop, if the, and there you go, going into Urban Dictionary. I had another um, <laughs> freaking meaning that somebody floated my way. That's why I said the whole like lesbian thing. But I think I, I uh, think I think you're technically correct. But I couldn't stop myself from from using the old Urban Dictionary there because sometimes there's wiser people out there than I who can accurately convey what it is I'm feeling on the inside in words on the screen. And so I got a chance to read that. I laughed about it, and I figured I'd share it with you and our whoever is watching this right now. So, okay. So, so if I am tallying this up correctly so far, we have the opening segment, which was a C plus. I had a C plus. Seamus, uh, Damian Priest had an A minus. Yep. A minus. Uh, let's see. AJ Styles, Viking Raiders, uh, Omos. What would you give that rating again? I had a B. I had a B. B? Okay. Drew McIntyre versus Veer, A plus 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 plus. F minus minus. <laughs> Hang on, let me let me put the glass down here. Hang on. <laughs> All right, continue. Alright man. You know we're gonna be cutting for our next show pretty yeah, soon that, here. That, so, so just so get it out of your system now. The show, <laughs> the show quality better get better, otherwise I'm gonna show up looking like freaking fat bastard. <laughs> Alright. So here's a breath of fresh air for both of us because it's two guys we like. I got a chance to see this match. I thought it was pretty good. Um Love to get your thoughts on this because you follow NXT a lot more closely than I follow NXT. Or have followed. We have uh, Karrion Cross versus Keith Lee. Two very, very good wrestlers in the ring. Uh, what did you think about this match? So I, I would agree with you. I thought the action itself was pretty good. However, when you look at the totality of it, uh, you know, Keith Lee, Lee, he loses pretty decisively. You know, uh, he tapped out to Cross, right? Um, and it just begs the question of where they're going here with, with each of these guys, right? So, you know, I say the match is okay, but I have no idea what they're doing here. You know, like I said, Cross lost in his debut to Jeff Hardy in 15 seconds last week. You know, is he moving to Raw? He's still wearing the NXT Championship belt. Is he going to drop it? I mean, they're making him look dominant in NXT. They've had opportunities to have him drop the title on NXT television. And instead, they bring him on to Raw, 
they advertise him as the third brand champion. They they had him come out wearing the belt, and then they make him look like a total chump. And then and then as for Lee, I think Keith Lee is gone. You know, he he got his ass handed to him by Lashley last week. He lost here to Karrion Cross. Uh, I I think he's going to be out of the company pretty soon, uh, and and that's a shame because, you know, I I was a I was a big Keith Lee guy. I know he's not for everybody, but I just I was digging it, and I I don't know where it went wrong. I've heard rumors of things that are happening behind the scenes with it. Who knows if they're true? But uh, it's a shame, and unfortunately, you got two damaged guys. Cross comes out on top, but they damaged him so much last week in his debut that it it's hard to wash that taste out of your mouth. And you know, for a guy who I see so dominant on NXT television. When I saw him show up again on Raw, the first thing that went through my mind was, is this guy's a joke. And that's yeah, a shame. Well, the thing is, and then you touched on that point, because first off, Jeff Hardy is a legend. Like, he has had some great matches, former champion, great resume, uh, bona fide first ballot Hall of Famer when he decides to end his career. But the deal is, he's not the type of guy who should beat you in 15 seconds. Like, I could conceivably see Jeff Hardy beating Cross in a match, but it shouldn't have been 15 seconds in a dominating fashion. It should have been like, you know, they, they could have honestly got like 12, a 12, 15 good minutes out of those two and actually have made it like, hey, you know, Cross is just getting his getting his legs underneath him here at Raw, but he's clearly got something. But to your point, they buried him. Well, it, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? So you bring in Karrion Cross. He's wearing the belt. He's physically impressive. He's booked to be dominant. Jeff Hardy should have lost in about 90 seconds to him. Yeah. There's so no you... way that there's no way that match should have been competitive. It should not have been 12 minutes, in my opinion. He should have gone in there. He could have hit a couple of power moves. Maybe you give Jeff a hope spot. Maybe he does the the whisper in the wind thing that he does off the top rope. But he should have gotten his ass handed to him. He did not. And and the only it, it did nothing for Jeff Hardy. It completely damaged Karrion Cross, in my opinion, on the main roster at least. And, and again, you know, I, where are they going from here? I have no idea. I have no idea what this sets up. I have no idea what it means for Cross. I have a fairly good idea of what it means for Keith Lee, which is a shame. So, you know, for, for the action itself, in terms of giving it a grade, I give the, the match itself a C. But for the narrative, I give it a D minus. I have no idea what they're doing. Okay, so what I will say, if we were going total narrative, I would agree with you there, in a sense. Um, yeah, Keith Lee, it sounds like they're feels like they're trying to damage him on the way out. Um, that way, you know, he can't just go to eight. Because it seems like a common theme, right? Because now there's a competitor. Now if they damage him enough, then it, then he's then they make him like a mid-card kind of job guy. Then he goes to AEW, and the whole point is, oh, so you're going to get our leftovers. Great. Have fun. I think that's what it's going to mean. And then it's for them, it's like, hey, are you going to go out there and lose? Are you going to go out there and tap out? Or are you going to, like, lose a paycheck this week? What, are, what do you want to do? So they got no choice, and that, that's what it feels like. What I feel like with Cross, and this could be a conspiracy theory of mine, but it has to weigh in on the old man, and everybody knows who the old man is, that everybody talks about how great of a product that NXT is, which is really development guys and some stars, but mostly development guys who are getting over because you've got people who understand the wrestling business calling the shots over there. 
and they're delivering great matches, producing great talent. Then you got the old man who's got the broadcasting time, the time slots, the cachet, and everybody just talks about what a joke WWE is. So I could completely see them them going to themselves, hey, we need to see, we need to show the NXT champion just get his ass fucking handed to him on Raw to let people know that this is the superior product, that this is the best league in wrestling. That's what I felt happened here. And then I feel like since I actually watched the match, I'll give it a letter grade. In terms of the action itself, I love both of their styles because it's that old school, hard hitting style. It feels like even though these guys aren't main event guys yet, it felt like watching a main event style match with the move set. It felt real. I'm going to give these guys a B minus. Um, and then I love the tap out, you know, the choke that he implements. I know it's not around the neck, but at least it looks real enough. Like this guy took the fucking time to understand how to, how to properly apply a rear naked choke. So I'm going to give it a B minus. Okay. I can live, I can live with a B minus. Yeah. So, uh, what did I say? C, what did I say? C, we'll we'll go with a B minus. C, C for, C for the action B minus in terms of what they're going to do with these guys. They're, my opinion is is that of yours. They're burying Keith Lee because he's probably I fucking AEW. Uh, they probably want to fuck him on the way out. Cross to me sounds like they wanna they wanna take a, a subtle jab at NXT, saying, "Well, yeah, but this is where the this is the big league. This is where the big boys play to well, steal I hope, from." I hope that's not the case, considering they own all three companies. So that's just cutting off your nose to spite your face. But you know who knows who you know Vince who knows what he's thinking these days. Well, I think he's thinking like uh, you know, with all the. I mean, okay, here's here's my final conspiracy theory. Before we go into a match that I know you want to talk about because you love these next two, these next uh, four guys. Oh, you're gonna make me talk about that. All right, I was hoping I was hoping we would skip that one. You want to skip that one? We can skip no, that one. No, no. Well, we we'll gotta talk, talk, we'll talk about it. We'll talk. So my opinion is, and you know, I've been around the tech space for a long time, and and a few of our viewers have as well. Typically, when you're about to be acquired you you cut all the contracts and this is actually what vince did with bret hart bret hart had a 20-year deal with uh, the wwe and vince cut that deal just because he was preparing to sell the company screw job baby the montreal screw job baby i i think that with the peacock deal with the disney deal with all these various deals that he has going on Vince is not leaving the company to Triple H or Stephanie. He's going to sell it for a fike load of money and move on. That's that's what I think is is he's preparing to have happen. I have mixed feelings about the the prospect of them selling. I understand that. If they uh, sell it, if they sell it to the Mouse House, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Well, if they sell it to the Mouse House, then AEW has a legitimate shot if they can bring some adults in that place. But we're going to talk about that well, on Thursday. Well, the adults may be on the way. The adults may be on the way. Oh, God. Let's pray. Let's fingers. All fingers are crossed for me, bro. Oh, yeah. All right. So we have one. We have two matches, uh, three matches I know you're going to hate. One match that you're probably going to be like 50-50 on, and then one I think you might actually love. If I if I read okay. you correctly, I think I think I'm I think that's what I'm going to go with. Okay, so hold on. All right. We got five matches here, and if All I right. know my big bro, I think I know for a fact you hate three of them. One of them you're going to like for for one reason because it may move a story. 
And then just based off of one wrestler and one gimmick that I know you hate more than life itself, it's going to be a bad one. We already talked about Drew McIntyre. Oh, no. (laughs) All right. So now we have Mace and T-Bar versus Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. How'd you feel about this match? Who cares? I mean, God. The only question I really had here was, is, you know, when when WWE finally pulled the plug on, on, you know, the stupid Antifa purge gimmick that Retribution was, couldn't they have changed their names back? Did did they have to stay Mason T-Bar? I, I, I actually, you know what? I will say there was there was one positive to this match, <clears throat> and the positive was is that right before the match started, there was a commercial for the Broken Skull Sessions with Steve Austin and Kevin Nash, and I had a momentary flashback to a time when wrestling was actually enjoyable and entertaining. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> but then after that, what didn't go well with this? Everything. The match was trash. Where does it go? Who cares? The grade's an F. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, I don't even want to add to it because, no, I don't follow any of these guys. And, you know, I thought, like, anytime you try to do something, but you know it's, but they do it in a way that's not as good. Like, they were, like, trying, they probably thought that the whole Antifa angle was going to be, like, NWO 5.0. They're like, yeah, people are going to love this. It's topical. And then it freaking bombed worse than Space Jam 2. Okay, next on the list. Wow. <laughs> hey, man. I'm, I, I thought listen, you were a King James fan. What's up with that? Listen, I love him on the on the basketball field, on the basketball Ooh. court. And hey, if man. hey, when LeBron is on your team, you love him on the court. Like, he's gonna get you. He's gonna get you to the playoffs. And if you're, he's in the East, he's gonna get you to the finals. But, now, you only got a 4-10 chance of winning it, but you know. So, so by any chance, do you play Fortnite? I do not play Fortnite, but I do they, know what you're referencing. There, there is a, there is now a LeBron James skin. I saw the other day. Is I, I saw it too. Now, wait. I don't know um, why, but there is. <laughs> I'll tell you why. This is why. This is why. Because a lot of NBA players, and it's it, it's a part of it. It's oddly enough, like Fortnite is a part of basketball culture in a weird way. So I think they figured adding LeBron in would probably sell some more, uh, some more upgrades, more skins. But uh, we'll see. You see, see the Bucks with that custom WWE title. No, I yeah. need to see that. Yeah. Well, actually. Did you ever see the tweet that Giannis sent to uh, to The Rock? Like, Giannis actually called The Rock out and was like, hey, let's have a match at WrestleMania, you and me. And then I believe The Rock's response was very classy, but he's like, hey, listen, you're a very good NBA big man, but I would fucking smoke you in that ring. <laughs> Stay in your goddamn lane. <laughs> Hey, you know, side, just side note, I'm, we're going to get off track, but, man, you know, The Rock's Instagram, love that stuff. I God. do too, man. You know, whenever I'm feeling like a slug, I just go look at The Rock's Instagram, and I just want to go lift a mountain. Dude, that's the thing. He's a very inspirational dude, and what I'll mention about The Rock is I remember when I was in the sixth grade, I read that dude's autobiography, right? Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? He's cook- exactly. And that was just that was just like he hadn't even gone to Hollywood yet or any of that stuff. He was just taking over wrestling. Could you imagine what that book would look like today if he just did it? Because he's like, all right, cool. Uh, now, in addition to taking over wrestling, I also took over Hollywood. By the way, I'm the highest paid actor in the world right now. Um, and that was after everybody told me that my career was I was going to flop. 
as a movie star. So, well, you know, brother, you know, we'll we'll talk about it for a minute at the end, but you know, maybe there's an opportunity coming up soon where we may Ooh. be able to see The Rock in action. Ooh. I know. You see these? See see my, this, bro? My, Goosebumps. My nipples, are, my nipples are getting hard as we speak. Bro, I don't I don't care. I I I just want to see some rock. Okay. <laughs> now, next on the list, and I have a feeling that just based off of a lot of good decisions that have been made about Bobby Lashley as of late, that this match may have may be above a C for you. So this is the one-on-two handicap match. WWE champion Bobby Lashley, fantastic champion by the way. Red Hot, I'm liking him. I'm definitely loving how they've he he at least has a story arc that I can get behind. Versus Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, WWE legend in his own right. How'd you feel about this match? So I was pleased that after, you know, consecutive segments where I needed more and more scotch to wash the taste out of my mouth, that I could have Lashley and MVP come to the ring and just take care of that for me. So, <laughs> you know, great promo by MVP, you know, the, the cheap heel heat referencing Tom Brady in the middle of Chiefs country. You know, I love that stuff. You know, that's old school yeah. stuff. You know, and they and they somehow find a way to advance the Lashley versus Goldberg match without having Goldberg in the ring and without and with Lashley saying no, which is just great. It's good. It's good story. It's good booking. Um, you know, and and then you get Benjamin and Alexander coming out, which kind of brings the hurt business angle back around full circle. That you know they should have never broken up, but that's a whole other issue. And then we get the callback to the Roman Reigns double stack pin at the end of WrestleMania where he, you know, Lashley jackhammers, uh, I think it was Shelton Benjamin, and then he, dom- he does the dominator on Cedric Alexander, and he stacks him on top of each other. Love that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I thought it was good. You know, it, it, but the negative in that is that I, I think Alexander and Benjamin are really talented, and, you know, they're, they're just treated like pieces of shit here. But, you know, but but besides that, you know, like I said, we, we, we're inching closer to the – the Lashley versus Goldberg championship match at SummerSlam, so that's good. Overall grade for this segment, eh, I'll give it a B. B? I could take a B. Now, going going into some points that you made here, uh, I love, like MVP I thought was a pretty good wrestler. I freaking love, I love him as a manager. I loved me some MVP back in the day. Ballin'. Ballin'. <laughs> love him as a wrestler. I love him more as a manager. Yeah. Um, I think the man he, can I talk. He's a he's great on the microphone, and he's one of those managers you know he could handle some shit also out inside the ring himself if needed, you know, once his knee injury gets back together. So love that. To your point, Cedric is a talent. I feel like he's getting fucked over. Shelton Benjamin's a legend in his own right. But in fairness, I feel like with the amount of respect that Bobby Lashley has and the amount of respect that he has given the other guys in the locker room over the years, guys like Kofi are like, you know what, bro, you did, you did Xavier Woods a solid, I'll do the job for you. And then I think like Cedric and Shelton are probably like, Hey man, you know, this hurt business thing put us on top for a while. You know what? Let's do the job for you. I think they did that and they were happy to do the job. Yeah, my, minor quibble about how they're treating Alexander and Benjamin, but from a storyline perspective, for a where they're going perspective, this was spot on. So I give it a B only because, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of especially Shelton Benjamin. I, I don't like seeing them, you know, he beats them both in three minutes. Eh, all right, whatever. So I give it a B. Yeah. 
and then also like the whole the whole purpose of like uh and then this might go into booking you got goldberg right goldberg is 51 years old like i understand he's still a pretty dominant like looking guy he's still big he's still strong and then the whole purpose is you want to show that lashley like, what's their intention with Goldberg? Like, what do you think is going to happen when they go into the ring? Do you think that Goldberg is going to lay down like Kofi did? Or do you think that Goldberg is actually going to have an actual match with him and they're going to try to use this as a way in their own weird WWE way of trying to bring balance back to the heavyweight division? Well, I mean, you know, that'll remain to be seen based on how the storyline plays out. It, it, it's It's odd because... You know, after the way that they booked Lashley at Money in the Bank, where they've been going with him, they had him beat McIntyre repeatedly, including at WrestleMania. You would think that they would not have him drop the title to Goldberg, but they had them. They had him beat the Fiend for the title. So, who knows? You know, Goldberg lost to to McIntyre pretty decisively at the Royal Rumble. You know, it, I I what should happen is is Lashley should kick his ass. I. I think that's what will happen. What I fear will happen is, is them saying, oh, we'll do a quick, you know, s- title switch, and then we'll have Lashley win it back later, thinking that they're going to they're, they're gonna generate some interest, and all it does is it ultimately is damage Lashley. So uh, let, let's just hope and pray. Um, you know, uh, not to get into SummerSlam predictions, but the, the, the real shame of SummerSlam, you know, we're getting star power, but the, the title matches are going to be predictable. Lashley should not lose to Goldberg and Rain. There's no way I will. <laughs> Let's go to the sports book that is actually taking bets on wrestling, and I don't care what the odds are. John Cena is not beating Reigns for the title. So, I'm sorry, that hasn't been set in stone either. But we'll get to that in SmackDown preview. Um, Absolutely. You know, so who knows? Who knows? But let's just for for now, all is right with the picture surrounding the WWE Championship. And that fills my heart with warmth. It could be the wine filling my heart with warmth. That's entirely possible, <laughs> too. But I feel good. I feel good about where they're going with this. I feel good about the story. I feel good about the people involved, MVP, doing the promos. You know, Goldberg can talk a little bit now. Uh, I'm, I'm good. This was good. Okay. We're good with it. Uh, I'm, good with, I'm good with the analysis. Moving on to the next match and this is the one where i think could go either way so backstory folks there's a guy and this is where you know there's a few guys that steven and i disagree about and that's okay uh steve the next match is between riddle versus johnny drip drip john morrison how did you feel about this match so you know it's funny that you say it that way right so Riddle versus Johnny Drip Drip is like the perfect description of everything I hate about this era of professional wrestling and Raw specifically. And, you know, that's fascinating to me because I like Riddle. Yeah. I don't like the way that they've booked him as a stoner idiot douchebag, but I like Riddle. I like John Morrison. I like The Miz in doses. And yet, (laughs) and yet, Riddle versus Johnny Drip Drip with the drip sticks and the Miz in the wheelchair just drives me insane. It's stupid. It's childish. It's nonsensical. The douching people with the drip sticks and like, I, just God, just make it stop. 
But with that said, but with that said, you know, Styles and almost come down, right? So now we come back from before. They finish off with the Raiders. Now they come down. So we know where we're going to SummerSlam, right? It's it's clearly going to be Styles and almost versus Riddle and the returning Randy Orton. I'm down with that. Yeah. But and and hey, you know, John Morrison, Starship Pain, still love that. That 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 is that is good stuff. But you know, again, you know, if we go back to what I was talking about earlier in the women's tag, you know, championship contenders match. You're in a fight. Riddle is yeah. in a fight. Riddle's a mm-hmm. former MMA guy. Yeah. He's in a fight. So almost comes down, and he takes Riddle's scooter, and he busts it over his knee. So, you know, hey, almost just became a, a, a babyface, in my opinion, because Riddle's fucking scooter is stupid. <laughs> and Riddle is so dis- – he's not only distracted by the fact that almost busts the scooter over his knee, but he starts crying. And then Morrison hits him, and and then hits Starship Pain, and so I'm I'm like, is almost the baby face here? Like like is that what happened? So so I'm I'm like, hey, you know what? Almost plus plus points for destroying that stupid scooter. And and one last thing I'm going to say about this, and I know I've said this to you before, the augmented reality entrances. Can we please stop? The I AR agree. the the augmented reality birds that fly from his crotch whenever he does the the double flip flop flip off. <laughs> wow, try saying that five times fast, right? Double flip flop flip off. Double flip flop flip off. It's so stupid. But with that being said, the match itself, the mechanics of the match, I thought were pretty good. I thought that it advanced to the it, it set the stage. It didn't officially set it up in stone, but we know where we're going. We're getting a raw tag title match at SummerSlam. It's going to be Orton and Riddle versus AJ and almost. So believe it or not, I give the statement a, a B minus. Now, would it if this it, I want to ask this question, follow-up question. If the scooter was not smashed on Riddle's knee, what would the grade be? D. <laughs> So D because it stands for douche, which is what they book Riddle to be. And Riddle is so talented. I'm a I'm Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, I like. Riddle, stoner, fuckboy douchebag, I can't stand. Okay. Back to you, sir. Thank you, sir. No, I I think (laughs) we're getting better. We're starting to learn how to give and take here. Um, so the one thing I will say about the Riddle character, as I'm watching all the other stupid cartoony characters, at least Riddle for me is somewhat believable, but that's probably because I understand his UFC backstory where he Sorry. had some problems with the marijuana. And Sorry. I have met him and got to train with him a few times back in my Brazilian jiu-jitsu time. And kind of what you see there in real life is a toned-down version of that. So in a weird way for me, I'm like, oh, so they're letting this guy be himself with a little extra flair. But I can, I know it's not an acquired taste, but I will take Riddle over fucking Nikki Ash any day of the week, twice on Tuesday, four times on Friday. That's how I feel about it. And what I love about Riddle is they let him keep that MMA moveset I feel like if he can overcome this gimmick down the road, he has what it takes to be somewhat of a champion. But but that's the, I, and I totally agree with you. But that's the thing, right? So like, there's two elements of his personality. 
the MMA badass, you know, he can, he, he's legit, right? And then, okay, he likes to smoke the ganj, right? Yeah. So what they decide to accentuate is him smoking the frickin' weed. And it's like, why? But then again, you know, I, I think they have a thing against former MMA people. You know, they book him like a frickin' douche. They take Shayna Baszler and, they, and you know, she's getting hypnotized in the middle of matches. It, it, it's, it's so frustrating. Well, we're seeing a reoccurring, a recurring theme here. If we really look at it, it's like, you know, MMA in a weird way is what kind of made people like MMA took a lot. The UFC took a big chunk of the WWE's audience away and actually made the WWE have to adapt in many ways, adapt certain movesets, change in a lot of ways. So I feel like between that NXT, we're starting to see a lot of bad decisions coming that way. And I, I kind of feel that way. I mean, now people will give the Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley example, but what people forget is they were WWE guys first, went into MMA, completely freaking dominated and came back. They make so, the WWE look good. So it's self-serving for WWE to do that. In the yeah. case of the others, it's not. Exactly. In the case of others, if they bury Riddle, I mean, and that's like... There, there's a hint of this going on because, you know, preparing for these podcasts and going into, like, what we're going to go through when we go into our time capsule and talk about the past, you see these recurring themes that have happened so many times in the WWE, which was why a lot of the big stars during the WCW invasion angle, they did not want to come because they were afraid that Vince McMahon would have fucking Diamond Dallas page him, you know, like yeah. really just fucking destroy their characters. They'd have him stalk The Undertaker's wife. Uh, yeah, yeah, hmm. or or have that, it's me, it's me, it's DDP. Well, you see, so, but but my understanding is that's how DDP is in real life, so who knows? Okay, well, you know, hey, it's here. <laughs> have, you, have, you seen, have you seen DDP on Cameo? I have seen DDP on Cameo. It's I have... me, it's me, it's DDP, the, the king of Bada Bing, like he does the whole shtick. I think that's, I think that's really just him. Okay, so he, he must like that one. All right, we're, we're heading towards the last two matches here. And these are the two that I got to see. And unfortunately, this uh, was the equivalent of being pinned down, taken away from my family, my beautiful wife, my two lovely children, and, have, and being fucking pissed, having, having pissed... Having a radiated horse just fucking piss in my mouth. That's what these next two segments felt like to me. So I'm going to preface it by saying this because you've done a lot of talking. I'm going to talk about this next Please match do. first and I'll bring Please you do. in. I'll bring Please you do. in. So I like our truth I too. like Reginald. I think they are two tremendous talents. One of them is better on the mic than the other person, but they belong in the WWE. This match was total fucking dog shit, okay? Like, first off, I love Ricochet. You know why I love Ricochet? Because he does the flips, but at least they somewhat look like he's in a fight. They somewhat look real. This look, this just felt choreographed. It felt fake as fuck. R-Truth was wearing the head. He's drinking right now. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. R-Truth is wearing this headset, and he's literally making ah noises just to let Reginald know when the spot is to properly do his little flippity flips. 
They botched a couple of flippity flips, if you've seen it correctly. They botched the freaking the out of the coat thing, which looked fake as fuck. So the whole fight looks fake as fuck, but the you know, out of the coat looked like a choreographed botched move. The, 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 the coat spot looked like the scene from Doctor Strange where the, the cloak of whatever got on the guy's face and wouldn't let go. Yeah. So that's not what I'm that's not the botch that I'm talking about. That was a stupid moment. The botch was, you know, it turned into our truth literally helping him get the coat off because they completely <laughs> missed the spot. And I'm just like, okay. Now you you just in, first you insulted my intelligence with some of this other shit. Now you just pissed all fucking over it with this goddamn match right here. And once again, I'm a fan of both these guys. I like them. I think Reginald has potential, and I think our truth should be given better respect as a veteran. But this match was bullshit. And then oh oh, it's the 24/7 title, which is basically just a crackerjack version of the hardcore title. But at least back then, the 24-hour stipulation was at least entertaining. It was fun. Um, then, uh, then at the end of the match, and I know you have a better term for this. Ooh. You got all, you got all the dudes that WWE can't get out of their contract, but they had to pay them that week. So they all just come running out. And then, lo and behold, freaking Reginald, who, in addition to being a professional wrestler, also, like, trained at that same spot, that crouching fucking tiger, hidden dragon fucking that camp was done, does a flip over all of them, does a dance, and here's the thing. That crowd, even though they haven't seen wrestling in a while, I think at that moment that crowd is like, dude, this is the dumbest fucking shit we have seen. You have insulted every one of their intelligence. And I think to go back to that famous line in Billy Madison, to paraphrase, of course, everybody who watched that match got dumber just by having seen it. Whoever wrote it, booked it, may God have mercy on your fucking soul. Steve, you're next, buddy. So this was a match for some kind of a championship, wasn't it? Apparently, yeah. Uh, the... Uh, basically, um, yeah, the twenty four seven title, which am I? What, that means it's a, you, you could lose the belt twenty four seven, right? Yeah, I think that's the that's the gist, right? I mean, the belt itself looks like a hubcap pasted onto some green leather. I mean, it's a hideous belt. Hideous. Here's what. Here's what I will say though. That belt at least looks what it should look like. It at hey, least, you know, you know. Hey, side note. Who do you think is the best 24-7 champion that they've had? I can't even fucking remember. Maybe maybe Gronk because he had the balls to leave afterwards. Well, you may not remember because R-Truth is like a, is like a 47-time champion, but it, Bad Bunny. He Bad actually Bunny. he actually like showed up on SNL with the title, like he was he was in like Rolling Stone with the belt, like he treated it like it was like it meant something. The writers treat it like it's you know, like the, like the toned down PG version of the hardcore title. It's it's just a garbage comedy title. It sucks. So it does so so they they announce a match right, and then all of a sudden I hear R Truth's music. Now I hate R Truth, but I love Ron Killings. Yeah, right. Like former NWA champion Ron the Truth Killings. I used mm -hmm. to like him. R Truth, yeah. I can't stand. So they get an announcement. They they they. His music goes off. The crowd's into it, probably because they haven't heard it in, like, three years because he's been in this 24-7 nonsense. And they announce it as a 24-7 championship match. So, honestly, this got my attention because I'm like, whoa, like, they never do this. 
normally it's them running through the backstage or or whatever right so i'm like yeah what why is this different right so then i sit through this this dog shit actually it's an insult to dog shit to call this dog shit it 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 was insulting in every way so truth like you said truth wrestles with this headset on and he's given like like live commentary during the match again it's supposed to be for some kind of a championship right yeah for a championship and then that whole headset was just cues and i felt it the whole time so so then so then reginald does his like softcore matrix stuff that doesn't look realistic he has a little fluid though i'll give him i'll give him credit for that his background my understanding is like cirque du soleil so um it, you know, it, like you, you, you mentioned it in the chat that we were having during the time. Like it looked like Anchorman fighting. Like it was just, it was just awful. You know, he, he does the flips and then he does like the series of backflips up the, up the ramp after he d- somehow dodges the entirety of the job squad. Um, by the way, what? Why did the job squad wait for the match to be done? It's a 24/7 title. Why didn't they just run down during? And actually, you know what? Forget that thought. Here's a better thought. Why on earth would somebody want to be the 24-7 champion? I have no clue. Because like, here's the thing. Like, you're based, to your, to your point there, not to interrupt you, but you win this title and you're basically on the run for the rest of your life. You're not going to sleep because by the rules of this belt, if we were to follow kayfabe, it just means that you basically are at risk of getting your ass kicked 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But, but what's the benefit? Like, what, like what do you get? I mean, the people trace the, the people chasing the 24/7 title aspire to be in the mid card. The title is trash. The concept of the concept is trash. The it looks like a hubcap. Like I said, it looks like a hubcap, like crazy glued onto a green piece of leather. The execution of everything dealing with this title is trash. The people contending for it are trash. I don't get it. It's silly. It's nonsense. It never goes anywhere. It's just a continuation of just a, a, a long-running, unfunny joke that, that, in my opinion, it just diminishes what a championship is supposed to represent. I completely agree with you. And to take it one little step further... Then maybe this is just us having our like grandpa phase when we're looking back at the days of old. But I remember when the mid card guys were actually quite likable, especially during the hardcore time. It was like, yeah, these are gimmicks. These are guys who are never going to make the main card. But goddamn, they at least accepted the role. They did a great job. And at least when they went silly with some of those 24-7 things, at least it was entertaining. At least they put some... It was funny. They put thought into it. And the whole point of it was to not... Was to be funny. And it was basically... I'll tell you what the 24-7 title is today. It's, hey, I'm a guy who's on my way out of this company. But if I hold this belt, they can't can't fire me for at least another week. That's what it means. Mm. It's a shame. Okay, let's say the 24-7 title leaves tomorrow. What changes in the WWE? They only have 18 titles instead of 19? (laughs) Exactly. All right, you and I, I think we're going to have an episode that just goes into how we would book, how we would improve the WWE, and I think that is going to be a great stop there. Since I opened up with a rant on this one... I'm gonna. We're gonna go into the main event. You don't. You don't want to grade the 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 epic twenty four seven 
championship title match? Oh, we forgot to give it a grade. I basically, um, wow. all right, so the, the lowest grade we've had so far is F minus minus. I am going to grade this an F minus 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 minus. So I'm giving it four minuses. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. So you remember back when you were in school, like high school, and like the real subjects like math and science would get like a letter grade, like A, B, C, D, yeah. F? Yeah. And then you would have other classes that like like phys ed that you would get like pass fail? Yeah. Let's just call this a fail and move on. Fail and move on? Let's call it a fail. <laughs> this... This match couldn't pass fucking gym class where you get half your points just by showing up in the proper fucking clothes. Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, Reginald. you get you get 70 you get 70% just by showing up in gym clothes, bro. Like it was a totally a gym class fa- that is the lowest grade we can go. You just named it for the show. It was a gym class failure. Gym class failure. Okay. Cheers to that. The next one. Was it originally booked as a contenders match? Because it feels like we have oh, three contenders matches on this card. Well, we'll we'll talk about the ending. You have woman. You have the daughter of. He's on my top. He's on my Woo! Mount Rushmore. Woo! Of Ric Flair, top of Mount Rushmore. His daughter, probably Charlotte Flair. And this is not to blow smoke up anybody's ass. I think. She is a sensational wrestler based on Very solid. just on anybody's standards. That's comparing her to the boys as well. She is a sensational worker. I may not like her promos all the time because they do get a little repetitive, but she is clearly championship caliber versus a gimmick that was probably put together by one of the 26 writers who doesn't like wrestling, who probably saw some fucking anime and were like, oh, we need to add this in. Nikki Cross, as you'll call her, Nikki Ash, as she is booked in this match, so I will call it. And anytime Steven, oh, for those of you who are just listening, uh, Steven always takes a swig straight out of the bottle of his wine bottle uh. anytime we discuss a match that we know is gonna, that we know sucks. Steven, big bro. He's he drank yes, bottle sir. and wine glass. Yes, sir. Open up this match for the people. How did this match go in the ring? We'll we'll talk. We'll, we're going to talk ring first, aftermath second. Mm. Well, so God. So what? In order to really contextualize this, in my opinion, you got to think about. You got to go all the way back to the conclusion of last week, and then you got to go through the opening this week, right? So. You have a new Raw Women's Champion. She's a first-time champion. You know, I said at the beginning, you know, the promo with her in the ring with Ripley and, and Charlotte, she looks out of place, right? She doesn't, she, she looks like like a, like a joke, right? Like, like, I'm sorry, that's just the way it looks to me. Like, her gimmick, mm-hmm. her gimmick, her gear looks kind of like, just, it doesn't look like World Women's Champion, right? Yeah. And then they, they proceed to just spend the show, in my opinion, just shitting all over Nikki Cross. You know, God. 
So then they announce this as a championship contenders match, you know. So so you know she's losing, which is crazy because they've set up a triple threat at SummerSlam, right? You literally have a built-in excuse. It's a Raw show. It's her first defense. What do you do? I don't know. Maybe have Rhea Ripley come down and interfere in the match and have a schmoz. Huh. I mean, it, it's 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 set up. And so what are they... Go ahead. To your, to your point with the schmoz, yesterday on our Twitter, because I thought, like, basic wrestling 101 would say, hey, if you were going to do a schmoz, this would be the match where it was acceptable to do... And this is the only way I could ever see freaking Ash beating Charlotte. Would be if it was a schmoz, right? Well, just to just to put her over as champion in one way, right? Yeah. So, and I said, and I got to do this after I'm fully healed from my vasectomy. I said, if, if, yeah, that's right, folks. I'm recovering from a vasectomy. If, uh, if, uh, I, I said, if Rhea, I said Rhea Ripley interferes or I do 50 push-ups. They didn't even do that, to your opinion. So please uh, continue. Well, so again, right, so so it's set up. It's set up to have Ripley interfere. You protect your new first-time Raw champ, women's champion who, again, looks like she just looks a notch below these two, right? You're gearing up for a for a triple chet, a triple threat, the World Women's Championship, ma- championship match at SummerSlam. you got to protect your champion. So what do they do? They have just Charlotte beat her clean. Charlotte did not. I I think they took it one step deeper. So for those of you who have been watching wrestling for a long time like we have, normally when you reverse the the crossbody, it's on the impact. So you have impact, roll over, get the roll, get the cradle, get the pin. This one was essentially a no-sell in my opinion because Charlotte took the two count, then flipped it, then counter out. So you basically just said, and looking at the match as a whole, it was based, I was I was thinking it was going to be Lashley-Kofi all over again. And that's kind of what it looks like for the first five minutes. And then, okay, we're going to let you get some offense. And then uh, Charlotte took, Charlotte basically no-sold the finish, pinned her clean, got up, freaking... Nikki Ash, her she she took the freaking flare chops to the chest. Had her, yeah, she looked her all shit boogered up, right? Yeah, her stuff was her stuff was red. Then you had freaking Charlotte mocking her, which I thought was a great heel move if they left it at that. But instead, what they do is, and I, I'm going to let you give your thoughts on this, Steve, mm-hmm. in a sec. What they do is they have Nikki Ash just give the worst most scripted promo after getting beat clean where she essentially said yeah well i proved i can almost beat you like i'm almost a superhero and i can almost beat you i'm like okay so are you almost a champion then like what the hell is this um in my opinion you know i will go into why how i would have fixed that whole thing after i get your opinion on that promo itself steve yeah so so charlotte cuts the you know the i'm a bitch promo right Yep. Now here's the thing. She she says a bunch of a bunch of stuff about Nikki Cross, right? Now if Nikki if Nikki's new you know I'm a, I'm almost a superhero persona is is a little more established. It's a little more over. You can get away with saying some of those things. Charlotte's promo was a little too accurate for my yeah. liking, and all, again it just 
buries her. So so I think the writers, I think the way that they envision it is, is Charlotte is getting heat by, by delivering the bitchy promo. But all she, so you just cut Nikki's legs out from underneath her by having her lose clean. You know, say what you want about the finish. She lost clean. Yeah. To Charlotte Flair. And then you have, and then basically you have Charlotte then, while she's on the ground, start teabagging her. Yeah. Afterwards. So, and then, uh, to your point, you know, Nikki then picks up the mic, delivers this god-awful just, you know, I almost beat you, which is exactly what I, what I want to hear from my world champion. And so if I'm, again, the logic, right? I'm, 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 I'm so big on the logic. So the logic here is Nikki Cross, your new Raw Women's Champion, now needs to challenge Charlotte to matches? And Charlotte, who just beat the women's champion, doesn't immediately demand that that, that, that matches for the women's championship next week? Dude, my, my opinion here, and here's... So if she was going to pick up the mic, the good guy, right? If, if the baby face is going to pick up the mic, because, hey, you're allowed to lose clean, especially if it's a match we know you're not supposed to be in and you just perform well in. If she was going to pick up the mic, the only word she should have said, next week, no DQ, belt online, drop the mic, walk out. And, like, and show us, like, okay, bitch, you want to be a bitch? I'm going to be a fucking bitch next week. And and had they done, like, I still would have hated the booking, but had they done that, at least it, it would have let Nikki save face. This made Nikki look even more low rent. It made her look like more of a chump. It made her look like more of a joke. And it made her look even more like, like, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear I almost beat you. Who cares? I agree. And the whole, the whole purpose of booking, too, is essentially to be like, hey, okay, babyface, okay, babyface can't beat you clean, so I guess we got to do it no DQ or something, right? So, yeah, they, they got nothing out of that whole segment. And really, that's why I said for SummerSlam, Nikki Ash is nothing more than the third wheel in that match. It's just they've had Rhea Ripley, they've had Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. She's literally there to keep the belt warm for whoever wins, Rhea or unless unless they want to like make that go again, but Nikki Ash is not a champion. So so at the risk of sounding slightly misogynistic, which I'm not intending to. This is the fallacy of having the women have to do everything that the men do. So they had to have a women's money in the bank. So now you've got two briefcases running around. Yeah. You know, so they and they do this every year. They did. And, and it's it's again, it's not a, against the women because they did this when they had two separate men's money, money in the bank mm-hmm. matches. Right. Like you remember Kane wins the money in the bank and then he cashes in that night on Rey Mysterio. Right. Yeah. They want to get they want to get one of the briefcases out of the way. So that then they can focus on the storyline of the other briefcase and the and and what they're going to be doing with Big E, right? So yep. they so they they thrust Nikki into this into this spot. Her her character is not established for it. She's not over. She, not not to the point where she's protected from this type of booking. And then they're doing more to establish Charlotte as as the bitchy heel and Rhea Ripley as the legitimate threat. And to your point. She's the third wheel. So your your champion should not be the third wheel, especially when she's in the middle of her first 
reign. This was her yes. first show since she won the title. She should have been protected. In my opinion, she should have been barely on the show. So instead, they decide to bookend the entire show with her. They, they, they established this title match for SummerSlam. They literally could have made any other booking decision. And it would have been better for Cross. It would have been better for the title. And it would have been better for the match at SummerSlam. They opted not to do it. And, and, and they deserve what they get here. The, the whole concept of what they're doing is awful. I, I, it, again, I, it, it was frustrating. You know what? I, I completely agree with you um, on this subject. For me, her, her involvement in SummerSlam, she's going to be a mosquito during that match. The thing is, she's going to be there to, to keep the belt warm and to mess up certain spots as they take place. And I think the only reason they're doing it is because Rhea and Charlotte are the two high-caliber female workers in that company right now. And I think they're like, well, we can't just have them. And, and that's another thing. Why the fuck was Charlotte versus uh, Rhea on a TV, on a live TV event? last monday that was bad booking in my opinion and i think the sole purpose of that was so that superhero girl could cash in money in the bank get them get the belt the, but go ahead oh but the but the what i'm what i'm talking about here is it's like ash is just out of place and to your point for in my opinion here's here's what how they they should have ended the show Bobby Lashley versus Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin because yeah. that's your WWE champion, and traditionally you want to end with your champion doing some freaking champion shit. And then Nikki should have probably just cut a promo at the beginning of the show as champion. They could have booked this for next week or something, but they should have at least let her, let her keep the belt warm <laughs> for more than a week. I'm all about them showcasing the women. They have some extremely talented women. 100%. And and by the way, Nikki Cross is one of those women, in my opinion. But the the the, the problem... See, here's the thing. You know, we, we talked about all the titles that they have, and, and Money in the Bank is the same problem. They try and use these things to, to get people over. So they give Nikki the money in the bank. She then wins the title, and they think that that's enough to get her over. They throw a title on somebody. They throw the 24-7 title on, on Reginald. That's supposed to get him over. They throw, they throw the tag titles on, on Omos, and that's supposed to get him over. And, and it, all it is is, you know, not, not to borrow terms that other people use, but it's, just, it's cheap, lazy booking because they don't take the time to, to write out a story that plays out over a period of time to actually get the crowd behind these people. They think if they just throw a belt on them that it's going to all of a sudden it's going to cure all ills. And, and I think that that was the problem here. They, you know, well, the belt's on Nikki, so she's bulletproof. So instead, they, I'm sitting there listening to Charlotte go on and on, and I'm like, yep, yep, yep. You're yep. almost so you're agreeing with the heel the entire time, and I felt yeah. the same way. I'm like, she's not. Name the lie. Show me she, one lie Charlotte Flair said on that mic. She's not wrong. <laughs> exactly, hundred percent. So that concludes like every single match. You don't want to uh, grade it. You, you know what? Give it a grade. Come on, brother. Give it a grade. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. Give it a grade, brother. Okay. Cup of coffee in the big time. Cup of coffee in the big time. It's not a gym class fail because they actually did put a match on. And I think 
Nikki was even what Nikki was just outclassed in that match. I just feel from a performer's sake because I can see little botches, like little mini botches in the match mm-hmm. where you were one second too soon. So now Charlotte has to wait for you to do what you were supposed to do. So mm-hmm. I would say from a setup perspective, I'd give him an F, but from a match perspective, from how it happened, like she, like Nikki, Nikki tried in that match. Like they tried to put on a great match. The in ring, uh, let's let's I'll score just in ring. I'll give it a C, C in ring, C in ring. What do you I, give it? I give the whole thing an F. Entire I thing, match included. The, the story, the story was so bad, the booking was so bad that it could not overcome what they did in the ring. They could have had, they could have had Nikki beat the shit out of Charlotte for 10 straight minutes and then have Charlotte pull out the victory at the end and then they go into that post-match angle and I would have thought the exact same thing. It was an F all the way around. There was nothing good about that. I don't know what they're thinking here. I don't know where they're heading this to. But hey, good news, brother, because we're going to get this again next week. (laughs) And we're going to be saying the same thing. All right. So now if you include the story, that's what I'm saying. So the match itself, I gave a C. Including the story, 100% agree with you it's an F because the story sucked, the promo sucked, they buried their champion, they devalued the WWE Women's Championship, and I honestly do think these women have legitimate talent. They're just getting shit booking from people who don't understand wrestling. And that's just, that's how I, that's how I feel. So that's, that's why I feel bad for giving them the giving these things bad grades. And I think what people need to understand, when we give these things bad grade, we're not singling out the wrestlers. And we fully understand that when you're given chicken shit, you gotta go out there and make chicken salad. You gotta try. And they're giving they're expecting these wrestlers night after night to go out there and make chicken salad out of chicken shit, which is just not fair for them. But we are viewers. This is the TV product that they have put in front of our faces, and we have to we have to critique what we see on screen. So, you know, you know, it's funny you say that because if you remember, you know, when we got through, I think it was uh, Styles and Omos versus the Viking Raiders, and I guess somebody in the chat said, you know, dump on the product, <laughs> and it was like the first hour was good. There, there, and and we'll go back to what we said in the beginning yeah. of the show: two hours of wrestling. And let's bring back some development talent. What's the law that just says that Nikki Cross just couldn't have gone out there and just beat the crap out of some NXT beat D-lister and just freaking just went to town on a development person who would have just why, been happy to have that TV time? Why do you need to have a women's money in the bank? Why? Okay, let me ask you, how do you feel about money in the bank? Not men or woman. Man or woman, how do you feel about that gimmick in general? You know, generally, it, I've liked it over the years because I think it 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 it's like that. Hey, it could have like. You remember if do you remember when uh, when Seth Rollins interfered in in Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns the very first time at WrestleMania? Yes. Yep. Like like how good was that? That was amazing. Right. There are when when it's done right, it is so good. And the problem is is it, it's much like the titles. Well, we've got one money in the bank let's have two let's have three let's and and then there's too many it, it you know hell in the cell well we're gonna have a whole pay-per-view of hell in the cell matches and it's like well does the story warrant you know alexa bliss versus you know 
whoever in a hell in a cell match for the first time like no it it's they 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 just they 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 take a good idea and they just run it into the ground well the sole purpose and then going back people don't understand especially bookers that match gimmicks typically they work when there's a reason behind it the whole purpose of a hell in a cell is hey this heel constantly has interference so we're gonna put the baby face in a cage now no one goes in no one gets out they're gonna settle it mano y mano at least it's gonna be a fair one-on-one fight like that's what that's what the whole purpose was or it's like hey you're locked in there with undertaker what the fuck's gonna happen like something like that but to your point Taking making a whole event hell in a cell, I'm not into it. Too no. many money in the banks. I mean, to to your credit, I I think the female talent could have amazing I, matches with the, with gimmicks that are their own. Like they, they, they could have their own gimmicks. They have the best women's roster in the world. Hundred percent. We'd name and, them Oscar, Shayna, Rhea, Charlotte Flair. And there was a time, you know, when they had like when. Uh, when Ronda Rousey was the Raw Women's Champion, and they were gearing up for the Becky Lynn, Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey title, you know, main event at MetLife Stadium in my neck of the woods for yeah, yeah. for WrestleMania, right? And they were booking them right, yeah, right. And now it's it started to devolve into the classic way that they just book women. Like if you remember, you know, Lacey Evans, and she was, you know, she was having an affair with Ric Flair, and it's just like, it's like. Can't we just book them seriously? Yeah. Like, can't they just be treated seriously? And that's why I say, like, you know, do we need a do we need a, a, a women's money in the bank? Do we need a men's money in the bank? I mean, that, that's that's worthwhile. I still I still like the idea of holding the men and women's Royal Rumbles, though, because I think it, it lends itself well in WrestleMania. But that's a whole other issue. Right. But I think that it you got to do it right and i think you gotta treat it with some type of reverence and respect because at the end of the day people such as myself such as you such as anyone who's watching this we take it it, it's it's our thing right like it's our entertainment like we 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 understand it's scripted it's fake right so when i watch it i want to be able much like if i'm watching bruce bruce willis throw a terrorist off nakatomi plaza i want to be able to suspend my disbelief i want to believe that bruce willis is act you know john mcclain is actually throwing the terrorist off of nakatomi plaza so when i see stuff that is just stupid when i see stuff that just insults my intelligence to a degree that i cannot suspend disbelief and when i see things that make me embarrassed to have wrestling on the tv if i have a friend come over (laughs) it's it's this is why you have the ratings that you do i agree and then you know i i think that you and i both want it to go back and let's be real attitude era ain't coming back 80s era, it ain't coming back. I don't know. You see that Roman Reigns promo on SmackDown? We can only hope. Well, we'll talk about SmackDown. We can talk SmackDown. No, what I mean by that is we knew that Stone Cold was not actually kicking the crap out of Vince McMahon, but his intensity made us believe it. We suspended our belief enough. The Rock made us suspend our belief enough. Mick Foley, we suspended our belief enough to make it an enjoyable product. So, and just and to stir up those those conversations that we used to have like people used to think it was it was unscripted because so, of how they sold the product 
but but what was that level of talent so much better than what we have today was steve uh, austin a better talent from a wrestling standpoint forget the the promos and all that stuff was steve austin a better wrestler in the ring than finn bauer see here i i would agree with that sentiment and what i believe is if wwe and here's the thing they're not going to change until another entity forces change so here's the thing if aew made a serious product and guys like us just said hey that's better and that's what we want we're gonna leave and enough of us left that would force vince mcmahon to have to do some soul searching and be like well hey uh yeah we love this cartoony comedy shit but those are the guys who kept the lights on. So we need to fix our freaking product or we're going to go out of business. Unfortunately, with all the deals that they've made, the WWE is so successful now. They're basically the only game in town. We get what they put in front of us. And that's 80% and, of the wrestling now. And that's why we're going to SummerSlam, Bubba. That's why we're going to SummerSlam <laughs> right there. That is why you and I are going to... Because there's still cachet there, right? Yeah. Like, like when we so so for people like us that that grew up on this stuff, you know, we remember. Like, I remember, you know, SummerSlam '92, you know, Bret and Davy Boy Smith headlining in Wembley Stadium for the Stadium for the Intercontinental Title, right? Macho Man versus the Warrior for the for the World Title. Like, we remember these things. SummerSlam has name recognition. When I said SummerSlam in Allegiant, you were like, I'm in. Yeah. And and I didn't we didn't know at the time what the matches were gonna be. We just went, Yeah. It's SummerSlam. We're there. And I've been I've been to SummerSlam before. I've been I you know, I've been I've been to a lot of pay. I've been to Royal Rumble, I've been to WrestleMania, like like it I've been to NXT takeovers. You know, it it's it there's something there's still something magical about being there live and I think the magical thing is I don't have to see AR birds when I'm actually <laughs> not a fan of the AR birds. No. Well, yeah, and and the thing is, you are right. There's cachet there. There's memories there. But then also, back before Vince bought out every meaningful competitor, there was also somebody at Vince's heels along the way where he had to give you those magical moments. And now I don't. I just feel like, you know, people can talk crap about Mantar and some of the other bullcrap gimmicks that have popped up over the years. But at least at times with WWE, it was ran by wrestlers and people who respected wrestling. So even when you had those stupid gimmicks, you still had some amazing stuff that you could point to and be like, oh, yeah, that's why I watch this. But what we go ahead. But what we have now is from what I can see is they're like, OK, we're running this thing because we want to we want to get the people we want to get as many eyeballs as we can with this stupid stuff and and they're not even getting the eyeballs anymore they're just like oh yeah people like flippy flips so we're going to give them some flippy flips oh people like people getting hit with a chair so you know we're going to have our have our big baby face probably the only guy who could beat our heel champion legit clean and we're just going to have him beat the shit out of somebody 34 times because people like chair shots the only thing you know left for him, the only thing left for him to do would be to sodomize him with the chair 100% and then it's like then we go into it and then it's like hey you know what 
people like superheroes. Oh my God. And we have so many of these kid followers and people love this, this Nikki Cross. We're just going to put her in a superhero outfit. It's going to get over. Oh, it's not over a hundred percent. Put the belt on her. Cause people, when you put the belt on them, they're instantly over. They're a champion. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just going to, I'll, I'll close out this thought for on my end and I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. To, to complete whatever you're thinking here, but it's not the characters. It's not the people portraying them. It's the storyline. It's the booking. And I'll give you the example. Doink the Clown. Evil Doink, I was totally down with. Man, that was that was creepy. The music, the, the cheating, yep. the, the, the double doinks. And, like, I was total, I, I was so into that. And then he became... A, a, you know a baby face with the with the little doink and i i would just i would just roll my eyes and just like no no yeah. it, and it was the same character it was the same character it was the same wrestler portraying the character it's just the booking behind him became sheer comedy trash i agree i agree um my thing is, and to finish my thought, you have a bunch of people who, it would be one thing if these were wrestling fans, but as it's been called out recently, I'm going to ask the question, how many of those 26 writers are people like us who actually like the product, who actually like wrestling? And how many of those people are actually hardcore fanatics who actually paid money to go to an Allegiant Stadium to pay to go to the to the freaking Madison Square Garden, stand in line, and go watch wrestling, and then just be fucking captivated for three hours. I would bet it is a very small number. I would bet it is the smallest number. I would say it is this number that I am holding right now, which is a big fat fucking zero. And that is the end of my thought with that. Well, you know, uh, I'll 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 just I'll just do a quick reply to that thought, and I'll say this. You know, if you take a look at how we rated the show and our critiques, I think our critiques are pretty much in the same spot. There were a couple segments that we thought were like BA, you know, low A's, you know, mostly B's, maybe some high C's. And then there was other things that were just absolute F's. The question becomes, is that because of the writing or is that because of the former wrestler agents intervening behind the scenes? I don't know the answer to that. If, if it's the latter, I'm glad they're there. And if it's the former, then I'm glad that there's people that actually care about story and logic and actually taking care of these people and having an actual plan. And I think that that's that, that, you know, again, you know, I started this off by talking about the differences between, you know, today's product and what we liked when we were growing up. I think, again, that's another example right there. You know, there there was always a long term plan for everybody. Yeah. And today, it's it. I don't think that they even planned this week when they put the belt on Nikki last. I I agree with that. I mean, it could have been like, wow, this Nikki girl got a pop. You know, it'll really get a pop next week if we win the championship. And then, do you think that a lot of this lazy booking because there used to be a clear delineation? We discussed this earlier in the show where that where Raw was one product and your pay per view was the ultimate product which was the great product because of the fact now that wwe is going to get ten dollars of our money every ten dollars a month from us every month that they don't really have to carry the peacock is peacock is getting our money 
$10 a month, every single month for this. The fact that no one's actually buying these pay-per-views or very few are actually buying these pay-per-views. Do you think that that has a little bit to do with it? So quick plug for the, for the Peacock, um, pay the $10, don't pay the five. Uh, because when you pay the five, you get a commercial in between every match on every historical thing you want to watch. So don't do that. Pay the 10. With that said, um, WWE is in a is in a comfort zone right now. They have regular income coming in from their Fox deal for SmackDown. They've got regular income coming in for their Peacock deal with the network. Um, they're coming back on the road now, and with you know with recent events, who knows how long that's going to last. But they 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 have guaranteed income, big bucks. I mean, they're mm-hmm. making record profits right now, right? They were making record profits during the pandemic when they weren't running house shows. So they make money no matter what. Yeah. You know, the, the question is, is does, does Vince have any pride anymore? Do the decision makers have any pride in the product? You know what? I think the reason why, and this is, this is probably a conspiracy theory, but I know it's one that a lot of people share. This isn't like bombshell. My opinion is Vince McMahon is preparing to sell the company. Like, he's preparing to cash out, get one last big payday, and just let what happens what happens because he's at, he's at the twilight hour, right? He's at the, uh, you know, he's at, he's, 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 he's heading towards the end, if you know what I mean. Like, so that's what I think's happening. He's going to get one last big payday and take off. To, to kind of close, at least the raw talk, and then we can talk about a little something else because we're, we're approaching two hours here. We're, we're approaching the time frame that we feel that Raw should actually be, so, so there so you go. We got we to gotta, we gotta practice what we preach, brother. We got to walk the talk. We got to walk the talk, brother. Walk the talk, brother. All right, cool. So overall, if you looked at the product this week as a whole, what is your letter grade? Well, so... Again, let, let's talk about the positives, right? So yeah. we, we had some logical advancement of some SummerSlam matches. I thought the storylines associated with those at least made some kind of sense. I know I, I nitpicked some, but, you know, we're, we're leading towards something. I thought the first hour of Raw was pretty solid. You know, you had Sheamus versus Priest. That, that was good. I thought Styles and Omos versus the Viking Raiders was good. The Bobby Lashley portion of the show was good. And then, of course, you know, almost destroyed riddle scooter so you know i'll give him a, i'll give him a little love for that one but then the negatives right no goldberg ar entrances you know fake almost superheroes you know more of the harley quinn lady fiend garbage championship contenders matches too many meaningless belts mcintyre now puts a sword into the stone instead of taking it from the stone or whatever. Johnny Drip Drip, wrestlers distracted by stuff that doesn't make any sense, stuff that wouldn't take the attention of a five-year-old, physical assault of a lawyer in front of 1.5 million people on national <laughs> TV. By, by the good guy, no less. And by the way, you know, you brought up Ricochet earlier. Where's Ricochet been? Where is Ricochet? Because you know, he was just in the highest profile match in the company. Almost, it's almost like they dusted him off from main event because they needed a flippy guy to do a bunch of ladder spots, so they gave him two wins in the weeks leading up to Money in the Bank. And then off into obscurity, he goes, I'm going to make a prediction. 
about three weeks before the Royal Rumble, all of a sudden you're going to see Ricochet again getting a couple wins because they might need somebody to do the Kofi Kingston spots if, you know, Kofi's busy or too busy eating pancakes or something. So, you know, a lot more negatives than positives. If I had to give the show a letter grade, I would say D+. Plus. D plus for you. Okay. So you did a great job there just going into the positives and the negatives. A lot of the stuff I saw was like recap material. But going into some of the booking decisions, I like how the guys in the back are paying back Bobby just for being a decent dude over time. Uh, Bobby once again proving. Bobby is being what a heel champion monster should be right now. That is the that's the they're they're doing that correctly. So, that being said, they completely shit on their women's championship, uh, the twenty four seven title. They somehow they somehow shit on that one. So they shit on that belt. Uh, they use the same. Uh, contenders match gimmick uh, three times in a row or three times throughout the show. Viking Raiders and AJ Styles uh, Omos had another match. Another match, but at least we have the setup for their it, new opponents. It closed out the program, so that's good. It closed it out. Um, you gave it a D plus. I'm gonna be really generous here because I am of the mindset that the last match, the, your main event, your last two matches are the most important part of your pay-per-view. And for me, they set up one of them properly. And if they do it right on SmackDown, I know we're at least going to get two good main event matches. Bobby Lashley's the king right now. He's the guy they need to take care of right now. They are taking care of him. So if there is any wrestling fans and they're writing Bobby Lashley's stuff or if MVP's being a real manager in the background... Keep doing what you're doing, whoever you're doing there. D plus for you, C minus for me. It would have been a C plus or even a B minus for me if they completely got the Nikki Ash stuff off the card and made the one on two handicap match the last thing we saw, which would have been Bobby Lashley being a fucking monster taking people out. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that um, they their failure to protect the new champion just totally drove the show the show down for me and you know it, that's important you know the, it they were it was the bookend segment it's again i know i've said it multiple times she is champion for the first time you gotta protect her out the gate and they just they did the exact opposite and in a scenario where they had every reason logically to to have a non-finish with with ripley interfering and kind of you know, you could have had either Charlotte close to beating Nikki or Nikki close to beating Charlotte, and it would have worked either way. And they just, they don't care. It, it, they, there's, you know, and, and this show, you know, some A's, some B's, and then some, some D's and F's, right? So, yeah. you know, they're, they're clearly focusing on some aspects, and then the other aspects, they're just, they're either their logic is flawed or they are not caring, and that's a big, big problem. That is, I mean, going back to it, there was a time when you used to try to have story arcs for everybody, and now it's like they have story arcs for the main players, and then everything else is just treated like filler, almost. Everyone should have a story or they're not on TV, period. End of story. 100%. We agree there. So, D+, C- for me. That was raw, folks. So, we are ending here. 
at near the two hour mark when we say that Raw should end. Uh, folks, be sure to, we are all over social media, the Slammer Bros on Twitter, the Slammer Bros on YouTube where this podcast will be posted. Hit follow here if you are on Twitch so you can rewatch later. Um, really give us feedback. We love it. Uh, Steve, is there anything you want to plug? Nope. So uh, I'm on Instagram, Steve Slammer, right? So, you know, hey, you got to represent the team. So, uh, you know, hey, open to feedback. You know, this is new for us. We're, we're always looking for ways to get better. I think that, you know, we provide a, a, a good dynamic and a good perspective for people because we're not insiders. We're not, you know, wrestling people. I don't have Kurt Angle on my speed dial. Maybe my brother does. He's got some Hollywood connections, but I sure as hell don't. <laughs> so, you know, hey, this is just you know, two brothers that love this stuff that are just comparing notes. And sometimes we're going to agree and sometimes we're not. And hopefully, you know, the audience is somewhat entertained by it because I know that I am entertained by listening to what other people think. And, and especially at times when I disagree. So, you know what, Steve Slammer, Jack Slammer, I'm going to turn it over to you, brother. Close us out strong, please. Let's close it out. All right. So for those of you who don't know, we are going to be back on Thursday. We are going to do a review of the car crash. I mean, AEW Dynamite uh, on Wednesday. But we're also going to give some highlights of what we felt on NXT. We have come to the creative agreement. We are not going to judge the NXT matches as harshly as we judge these ones because they are development guys. Well, they're development guys, and we just feel like point out the highlights, help build them, don't bury them before they've got a chance to, to grow. Um, and then it, also, if it's trash, I'm going to shit all over it. That's if it's thing. trash, he's going to shit all over <laughs> it. He will, and then I'll piggyback off of it. Then uh, on Saturday, we will discuss SmackDown, so you can get us three days a week live, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, or just go to the YouTube channel, and then we're also going to take all these bits and make them clips. I'm going to be up all night doing that. Thank you folks so much for tuning in and see you next time.